Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji. Performance reviews are a misunderstood facet of a company's performance management cycle. You may have already implemented them and love how they help grow and develop the talent on your team. You might also think they're an unnecessary formality from the corporate HR world and don't belong anywhere in your business. Or, and I suspect this is a lot of you, you might be somewhere in the middle doing a quasi-formal year-end meeting where some feedback is given, but then it sort of devolves into a compensation negotiation and there's a bunch of other stuff packed in there too. Wherever you sit on this spectrum, I promise you're going to get a ton from this episode. We outline exactly why you need to start doing them, if you're not already, and we talk through how to get started. Now, to help me, I'm joined by one of our amazing Breakthrough Academy coaches, Ashley Ennis. Ashley's been with Breakthrough Academy since 2017. She's worked with hundreds of our members directly and now actually leads many of our Breakthrough Academy coaches. So she's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to performance reviews and the entire performance management cycle. So if you want to develop your people faster, create leaders within your business, and foster a culture of transparency and data-driven feedback, this episode is a must-listen. By the way, before we dive in with Ashley, there is a super easy-to-use performance review prep document for both supervisors and for staff, and that's available for download for free in the description of this episode on whatever platform you're on. Just click the link there and grab it. It's going to save you a ton of time and make implementing these way easier. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Ashley, it's really good to have you back. Um, Welcome to Contractor Evolution. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me. What do you think most contractors get wrong when they're thinking about performance reviews, when they're trying to implement them? What do you see uh, as some misconceptions, some mistakes, maybe some misguided beliefs around them? Yeah, it's a good question. I think one of the things that um, so contractors, you can gauge as to whether you're doing this wrong or not is if you've done a performance review and the person sitting across from you is surprised by what's being talked about, right? So one thing that can happen is, you know, we're busy as entrepreneurs, running a business, a lot of different things going on. And we don't necessarily be intentional about making sure that people know what they're being rated their performance on. So we sit down with them for that annual, you know, maybe once a year conversation. And the person's like, what? Like, would have been nice to know about this for the last six months that I'm like majorly messing up this part of my role. They're caught off Um, guard. That's one of the first things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, this is like, this is news to me. I'm doing terrible. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so that if they're surprised by what's being talked about and it hasn't been something that they have been aware that they've been rated performance on throughout the year. So it's like probably the number one thing that people do wrong. Um, and then one of the other things that can happen is that uh, during performance reviews, let's say you're doing them, that's awesome. But the comments and feedback that you're giving to your employee are like super general, right? Like you could do better at this, or um, that wasn't that project didn't go so well, or we've got some complaints on the customer side of things with you, right? So really general comments and feedback that sitting there, 
right? As the employee, they're actually not sure what to do with that. Um, what's really important is that you bring in that data to a performance review and that we're really specific in what we're talking about. So the person's like, okay, in that situation, this thing happened and this is what could have been done differently. The lack of specificity around feedback, the problem there is it's not actionable. There's sort of, these are like um, broad platitudes about vague things that they could be better at. And so the employee or the team member is sitting there going like, okay, I, I get that maybe there's some improvements to be made here, but I, for the life of me, can't figure out really what you're asking me to do or how, how to put this into action, how to hold tension to it. That, that, that's what, that's where the specific thing becomes really important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of times, you know, people know when maybe things aren't going so well, but one of the reasons that we're getting together for this one-on-one -on -one conversation around a performance review is to be really specific in what they need to do differently in their role to increase their performance. And so if we're giving generalities or really vague comments to someone, there's so much room for misinterpretation and assumption of what that means or what they should be doing differently. And that's just energy that doesn't need to be spent right. by either party. We can just say specifically what's going well, specifically what's not going well, and come up with tangible action plans for how to impact those things that need development. Do you think sometimes contractors are, um, you know, not super bought into this or reluctant to do it because it feels like this sort of corporate world formality? It's sort of like this thing, this HR thing that you know we that that bigger businesses than mine do, but I don't need to because we don't operate in that space, and it's just going to be a whole bunch of time and effort for something that's ultimately just kind of. Uh, a formality, I guess. Like, do, do people have an, a, a, a misinformed idea about the impact that they can have uh, in a blue-collar business like the ones we work with? Yeah. Like, this is a critical development opportunity as a role of business owner and leader to your people. So this is actually an investment in one of the biggest things that can impact your ceiling and capacity as a company, Right. There's a lot of things that you know can take time to move and change. But one of the things that differentiates, you know, us as businesses from the competition next door is the people. And our ability to scale and grow is often dependent on the people and their capacity and skill sets that they have. Mm -hmm. And so investing in performance reviews is a way to up your game and allow you to move through those levels of development and increase the ceiling of your business, really, mm -hmm. in a very short timeline. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I, my hope here today is to sort of... De demystify or debunk um, maybe some 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 notions that our listeners have around the place that these have in their business. This is not some, you know, it's not something that only Fortune 500 companies do. This isn't sort of some stuffy formal meeting where we give like the that that shit sandwich where it's like, here's something really good that you did. Here's something not so good that you did. Here's something really good that you did. Like I sort of picture this like scene from The Office where it's like, you know, bad lighting and Michael Scott's fumbling his way through kind of like some really meaningless feedback for an employee and they they leave more confused than they went in. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what and we're- And fake fires them at the end. Exactly. 
exactly. That is not what we're talking about. We want to kind of cut through that and really give you a nice, easy uh, framework that's kind of purpose-built for your construction or trades business. So actually, a question for you would be like BTA's definition or approach to performance reviews. Can you outline that for us? What are they? What are they not? Just kind of give us a summary um, of, yeah. of, of what these what these all important parts uh, of a performance management rhythm are. Great. So let's start with one point about what they're not, and then we could talk about what okay. they are. So what they are not is a compensation negotiation conversation. Okay. So if there's like one nugget that you take away from this, it's that when you're sitting down to talk about a performance review with one of your staff members, the expectation to be, should be set out of the gate that we're not going to talk about comp compensation during this meeting. Does that happen right? a lot? But there will be a, it, it does. And it makes sense at some level because another thing that could happen is if you as the owner are not having regular sit downs and one-on-one -on -one meetings with your team and you're like well, this is my one chance a year to sit down and have an intentional conversation with this person you're like what all can i get done right we'll talk about some performance we'll talk about what their wage is going to be naturally i think people also employees will not know where they should be negotiating and talking compensation it's our job to communicate those boundaries and expectations around the conversation and so it's it's fair if you haven't set the expectation that this won't be a compensation conversation for them to bring it up. And it also really protects the space, right? We'll talk about one of the outcomes of a performance review being a really good development plan for your team member. That's one of the most powerful things that come out of these meetings. And if we're talking compensation and someone has an expectation of what they want and it doesn't get mad and they're not sure when do I bring that up or how do I prove my case? then we're actually clouding the ability to get to that core outcome. And it's a really healthy thing to have a separate conversation that's just around compensation at a later time. It's a totally different energy that that you need. Like a, uh, a performance review should be open. It should be transparent. It should be trusting. It should be all, all these things compensation conversation is is on some level a, a negotiation they want this you mm -hmm. want that and so it's like yeah those are totally separate parts of your brain and your being that you would want to approach those and if you get them muddled you're you're like if you like for example if you're kind of going into your performance review and all you're focused on is getting uh, i'm talking about the employee all they're focused on yeah. is getting x amount dollars more an hour because they think they deserve it you can you can be pretty confident there's not going to be a whole not a whole lot of listening around like the work ons and the continues and the feedback that we've prepared yeah. and are delivering yeah and, and and from the employee's perspective like let's say i'm preparing to be reviewed on my performance and i'm filling out some feedback ahead of time and I think I'm going to talk compensation. I'm going to be arguing my case as to like all of the good things I'm at and not want to talk about the development areas when that is actually where the magic comes from within a performance review. So that's what it's not. Uh, yep. What do we say they are? Yeah. You know, their chance to really remove assumption from a supervisor employee relationship. So what I mean by that is a lot of times we're operating um, in a roles where we have a lot of different conversations happening, projects that we're working on, initiatives, um, and, and there can be an element of, well, they should know this, right? Or they didn't do that. They saw the consequence, hope they figured out what they did wrong there, and they're going to figure out how to do it differently. 
And within the relationship, which is one of the key predictors of really like job satisfaction in the role is the supervisor employee relationship. A performance review is your chance to remove assumption from that relationship and really create alignment between both parties, mm -hmm. right? I know exactly where I stand. I'm not assuming anything. And it's their chance as well as a supervisor to share exactly where they stand and be quite direct with things that need to be worked on within that person's role. When it comes to the prep and the data, and we're going to get to all, we're going to get to the process of that. But one one question I, I wanted to ask you about this is, do you, in your experience, do you think entrepreneurs and business over business owners overestimate how good their instincts are about their people? Like in other words, the question is, uh, many business owners would go, I kind of know where this person's at and that person's at. I know where the strengths and weaknesses are at. I have this really um, developed and accurate and precise mental map of who my personnel are, where they are at in terms of their expected performance and what they need to work on. There's sort of a, a level of confidence. You can even you could even say a level of arrogance around how how much they believe they know about the team around them. Do, do you see people often overuse, overestimate how reliable their instincts around their personnel are? I, I think it makes it, yes, and I think it makes sense. Um, if you think about a growth journey of an entrepreneur, when it's just you, let's say, and you're an owner operator, but it's yourself and a, and a few employees, you probably know with you know decent accuracy what the level of performance is with those people. Right. But then you start to grow, and you have some crew leads in place, and so you're actually not on every job site. And then you know eventually you have a production manager, or a sales manager, and then maybe an operations manager, or a GM. There's now these levels of management within your team. And so your ability to use a gut response to review performance and communicate accurate areas of development is just going to decrease, right. right? And so we don't sometimes re-examine, okay, this strategy worked at this level. And, and then say, let's take a look at based on where we're at now, what's the appropriate strategy to do to give accurate feedback to the team? Yeah, that's a great comment. Like in the early days, it actually you're actually probably if you have three employees, your your gut instincts are probably more or less more often than not pretty accurate. But if you've grown to 30 and now you have layers in the organization and there's some distance from you and uh, you and the carpenter because there's a PM between you and them or a crew lead or whatever, mm -hmm. you're, it's kind of opaque. It's no longer transparent. The distance creates some some obscurity. You, you're unable to see that. And so I think that's why, and we'll talk a little bit later about like, you know, you don't need to do every single performance review. Each person at each yeah. layer should be doing it with the person beneath them. So, okay, that, that's all really good. It's, it's about removing assumptions. It's about like having a window to have a really real, really uh, honest, open conversation. How do these fit into the larger performance management cycle that we kind of teach here at Breakthrough Academy? Because this isn't just, these don't just exist on an island. They fit into kind of a, a, a bigger yeah. system, do they not? Absolutely. Um, and from a performance management cycle in general, just to people get an idea, we're trying to create a rhythm within a company where uh, somebody knows that they are being developed and invested in to be able to better perform on their role. And so if you think about performance reviews within the context of like a cycle, right? A performance management cycle, think of it as kind of like the beginning and the end, right? Within that, you are setting the review process of what you've done up to this point and, and identifying areas for development moving forward. 
So we're reviewing, right? It's kind of the end of the cycle. But what we're also doing is creating this really fertile foundation for development for the next cycle with creating this development plan, which is an outcome of a performance review. And one of the things that I just want to say it's really important is that it's, you know, it's less important that like you as the owner, like I know with accuracy what this person needs to work on. It's more important that they know what they need to work on. And so within the context of performance review, one of the things that happens is they come in having prepared their own self-feedback on themselves within their role, which we kind of touched on earlier. And if we want to create a, a culture of development within our team, providing those opportunities of safe opportunities for introspection, reviewing themselves, having some critical thinking around what did I do that worked and what did I do that didn't work? That's actually how you create a culture of growth mindset within your team. And so performance reviews fit really nicely into that performance management cycle of we identify what needs to be developed. They identify what needs to be dealt. That's the most important part. And then we set up the two other aspects of performance management, which is coaching, right? Focused skill development sessions. And then GSR, what we call it BTA GSR, but it's one-on-one -on -one accountability and priority management meetings, right? So those are the kind of the three parts of the performance management cycle. And you could think of um, performance reviews as that finish mm -hmm. and that foundation for starting the next cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coaching and one-on-ones are more ongoing. You'd be doing those sort of weekly. You might be doing coaching events weekly or monthly. You're doing your GSRs weekly, maybe bi-weekly. Uh, and then, and then the performance review is sort of this, this larger rock that sort of fits, I'm assuming somewhere near the end of the year. And it helps us launch into the next year for the reluctant listener who's hearing this and going, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but like, it seems like a lot of work. Uh, can, can you make, can you, can you make, uh, can you make the case as to why these are essential and, and, and why they should maybe just, just, you know, not listen to that voice in their head and invest in these? Yeah. Yeah. I like that you use the word invest. Um, but the reality is, you know, to the reluctant listener, they're doing this anyway, right? You are reviewing the performance of your team with your gut and with subjective feelings and non-formal feedback and probably confusing your team. So you're reviewing performance, whether you do it with intention or not. And there's a lot of opportunity to be able to create alignment and development plans for people by just tweaking that a little bit. And, and there's some like quick wins you can do with performance reviews and doing it in a more intentional format. So you're already reviewing performance, but it's probably coming across super sporadic and confusing to your team members. So take this opportunity to invest in something that's gonna set the development pathway for your team. Case closed, I like it. Okay, so um, we're gonna move into sort of like the prep and execute stage of this conversation. And I just wanna mention quickly, there are two, we're gonna make two things available in a, uh, click the link in the description of this episode on whatever platform you're on. If you're on YouTube right now and you're watching, you can kind of see these two these two handouts. Uh, these are really well put together prep documents for both the supervisor and for the employee, for the team member. So as we're talking through this, I'm going to just like throw out a bunch of questions to Ashley. We're going to work our way through the whole process. But if you're listening, you're like, hey, I, I want to actually take this home and, and do something with it in my business. A really, really good place to start would 
just be with downloading these two things because they'll basically f rigorously force you through the prep pro process so that when you actually do schedule and have the meeting, there's data to look at, there's prepared thoughts to go through. Uh, really, really advise you if you're getting started with these to just to just start with what we've put together uh, and, and, and go from there. Now, that said, Ashley, how do we, the supervisor, when I say supervisor, this could be you, the business owner, doing it with your small team. It could be one of your leaders on your team doing it with their their little division, the people that work okay. underneath them. So it's not necessarily all funneling through you, the owner, but talk to me about how the supervisor preps for these. And I think uh, put a special focus on what kind of data is getting reviewed, because you mentioned that earlier, and I do want to know about kind of the objective facts or the dashboard that we look at to come to the conclusions that we come to before having these reviews. Yeah. So the good news as a supervisor, a lot of your preparation that you're doing is reviewing what the employee has come to the table prepped with. And the data that you're focusing on, and we, we call this in BT deliverables for their role, are usually like the four key measurable categories that that person is responsible for delivering to the business throughout the year. So for example, let's say it's a um, production manager it might be, you know, completing $2 million of produced revenue in the year, completing it at a 45% growth, uh, gross profit with um, an average, you know, callback of less than 0.5% of total jobs complete and, you know, administrative or development type uh, deliverable, right? So those are some like basic categories, something about revenue, profitability, you know, quality, and then the other stuff that they have to complete in their role. So there are categories that this person has been communicated from the start in an employment agreement. They're aware of what these numbers are. You have been talking about them weekly or bi-weekly right. in your one-on-one -on -one accountability meetings every week, right? Or every cycle throughout the year prior to this. And they've been getting some coaching or training events on how to hit these deliverables throughout the year. So nothing's new. Right. These are all familiar mm -hmm. metrics that we're talking about in the performance review. So this data is going to be like if you think of like our kind of typical um, our typical BTA member, are, are they pulling this information? Are they grabbing some reports from their from their CRM? Are they looking at uh, another scoreboard that exists somewhere? Mm -hmm. Like what, what's the. Uh, just where, where, where's the data sourced most often in, in, in these businesses? Yeah, so probably your CRM, right? Your CRM or your financial um, tracking system. A lot of the businesses that are part of Breakthrough Academy will use their this master business plan software we have. And that literally allows you to track a lot of these numbers for your staff if you do it on the staff by staff level. Um, so again, like you should be tracking these metrics throughout the year and reporting on them weekly or bi-weekly in a one-on-one -on -one accountability meeting format. Um, so make sure that they're metrics that you can review and that you can track. Um, but likely they've come from, yeah, your CRM, your financial <laughs> software. What, what if they can't, like if there, if there's a business owner listening, who's like, Hey, I really want to do this, but I gotta be honest, like my tracking's not that good. My CRM's a bit of a gong show. Um, like I don't have like this neat, clean, annualized data to look at. W would you make the case to like not even bother with this or is there a, an even less formal or like, is it, is it worth trying to do, do a performance review without that stuff? Or is that like a hardcore prereq and you can't do this step without the step before? Yeah. 
see, usually, you know, I, I have conversations like this from time to time. And what I usually um, come to is that let's figure out what we can track that's yeah. relevant to the success of this business within your current systems. And there might be this gold standard that we want to get to down the road, but it's okay that that's not what we're here right now. But what can we track? The number of complaints that come in. Right. Could we simply have an Excel where we put a tick in it every time that a complaint comes in? Um, the Google, the Google reviews that we have, if we have that set up, you know, that might not be the best way of quality, but it's a way to measure sure. quality. So there's usually something that we can use that that will signal success and performance. Mm -hmm. And it will allow us to have a category to use to review to just to, to review performance with it with the staff member. Okay, so that's the supervisor prep. First and foremost, you're looking at the deliverables. This is what we hey. This is Mr. Production Manager. This is what we agreed to at the beginning of this year. This is what actually happened. Are they ahead? Are they behind? Did they did they hit dead on? You're kind of looking at that. What is the member doing, or sorry, what is the the staff, uh, the, the team member doing to prep for these? What's what's their kind, I, we've got the document here, we'll, we'll go through it kind yeah. of loosely, but what's important for them to get clear on, to reflect on, to, to even write down before heading into one of these? Yeah, so actually that comes first, just to be clear, right? The employee is preparing for the performance review and sending it into the supervisor before the supervisor even attempts to prepare because what the supervisor is looking to do is like, are we on the same page, right? Are they thinking all these things that I'm thinking completely differently and now I need to have a plan to address it? Um, and so what often we do is for the employee, we uh, help them to get that data to review, right? So those deliverables or those categories, those metrics, whatever we can measure right now, let's just give some data-driven feedback to them. And then we ask some more general questions for them, right? Um, when it comes to their role, what did they really enjoy? Where do they feel that their strengths have shown up in the role? I love to ask, you know, where have you felt underutilized throughout mm. this year? What's been really frustrating for you in your role this year? It, it gets them thinking and allowing you to have this broader scope of, um, again, one of the outcomes of performance review is like this alignment and job satisfaction. And so we want to just kind of like, figure out where their head's at when it comes to their role, how they're feeling about things, as well as, you know, what aspects of your role do you feel like you need development on, right? Yeah. Where do you need support from your supervisor in order to level this up? I'm, I'm reading through this doc. I've got it just open here on the table and it's, it's, it's nicely formatted. It's like areas of accomplishment. What were the main things you, you accomplished? What are you proud of and why? Uh, how did your performance positively impact the company's results and culture? Then there's like an areas of development section. So like some things that you struggled with, things that you want help with, there's potential action steps. I think it's important to note too, like the like the businesses that we work with, Ashley, you, you know b better than anyone, like these are very like head down, work hard, get it done type entities like these are, yeah. these don't really score as high on the touchy feely index compared to say other industries and so mm -hmm. when i read that i'm like you know like that's actually kind of a breath of fresh air for a technician who's been literally in the trenches for the last 12 months how often are they getting asked how do you feel about this what do you want help with what do you feel really proud of like you know, while it, like I said earlier, like it might seem like a formality, like there's some really good rigorous reflection that you're kind of forcing the team member to go through. Um, and what, what kind of, 
like in your experience, like what, what kind of stuff gets put into these things? Like, is it, are, do, do the, do the, the team members really enjoy it when they're, when they're, when it's given to them? Uh, do they, do they capture good stuff? Do they kind of slough it off? Like what's been your experience when people actually go through the process of, of the forced reflection in here? Like he said, it's rare that, you know, an employee has the chance to sit down and think through these things. Often what will happen is if they're not doing that, you know, some of these challenges or frustrations will build up. They'll have a fight or flight moment and they quit. Right. Right. And so one of the things that often happens is through this process, you're able to identify and the employee is able to identify like what's working here, what's not. And there's a chance for you to support those things that aren't working, right? right? That thing that's really frustrating them or bogging them down or that they just don't get or that they hate about their role, whatever it might be. Again, we're not just like bending the company based off of someone's feedback and their performance review every time. But often, you know, there's these, you know, nuggets that can come out of it. That's like, I wish I knew that that was so frustrating for you. I wish I knew that you were struggling with that. Like we can help you there. And now you have a place to find out about it. That's a very good comment you just made. Again, for the reluctant listener, I don't want you to think that, you know, we're we're saying that your employees fill this out and you have this list of demands that you kind of like acquiesce to and bend over backwards yeah. to make happen. It's not that at all. And what you, the second thing that you just said is often the stuff that comes up that people quit over. I, we have, you know, personal experience with this in be, literally mm-hmm. this year. Like this is like very fresh. A couple months ago, we had a moment like this where it was like, like this is like such a solvable problem. Like that yeah. you, like this is actually like enough for you to be this frustrated that you want to like run for the hills. Like l- this is a 5 second fix. I just didn't know that this was bugging you. Yeah. Again, we remove assumption from the relationship and create alignment as to what is best for this person moving forward with both needs in mind, the person's need and the company needs. How long uh is do, like are, are we saying, hey, hey, uh, you know, team member, you need three hours to do this. You need a full day. Like, how, is there a sort of timestamp you can give for adequate prep on the on the part of the team member? Yeah, we usually say an hour, right? It, it can be helpful if you walk them through the questions um, as you give them this sheet, especially if this is something that's new for you and say, hey, really like the value of us sitting down in a couple of weeks when we're going to go through this together is going to be based off of the level of transparency and the things that you process as you fill out this preparation. So I'd really love for you to put a focused hour towards this and be as real as you can as you're filling out the questions. What time of year should we be doing these? Intuitively, I'm thinking this is like a December item, a Q4 item. Am, am I right in thinking that? Yeah. So usually it aligns really nicely with um, your fiscal cycle. So if you um, yeah, have a fiscal year in December, it's what we recommend. It's a pretty natural time for pe- people to be closing out things you know, in other parts of their life as well. So a December performance review is a really powerful time to you have enough data to have these conversations. Um, and then in January, that's when you would have more of those compensation and role conversations for future oriented things. Once the prep is done by both parties and and you clarified, team member does it first, supervisor does it second. So that's all done. Mm-hmm. These are filled out. Where should the meeting be happening? Is this a Zoom call? Is it a coffee shop? Is it on a tailgate? Like where do these happen? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the argument against the tailgate would be uh, if you're going to be interrupted throughout the meeting, right, with the foreman coming to try to grab a tool or they're going to be asked questions. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that approach, but really anywhere that you're not going to be distracted um, and that you'll have the ability for like a really safe space where people can openly and honestly share. Um, so I've done these, you know, in, in coffee shops, that can be an okay place to do it, but really close door if possible, where you can sit down and uh, know that you're both going to be like full, fully physically, mentally present for it. How long should it last? I usually set aside an hour and a half for these, um, knowing that some might, you know, finish sooner. Um, and, and sometimes, and, you know, I can just tell you the number of times this has happened, especially on the first round of performance reviews, when I'll, you know, be working with the member and they'll go and implement this. Things come up mm. <laughs> that need space to be chatted through. And so what we don't want to do is rush out of this meeting to something else at the top of the hour. So I'd recommend having an hour and a half blocked off for sure, knowing that you have a half an hour slush at the end and you might win and get a half an hour on the front end. But again, this is such a unique, you know, conversation that you're having with your team member. It's worth kind of honoring and giving space to close it off well. Stuff comes up. What kind of stuff? Like, are we like emotions? Are we getting into tears? Like, what what kind of stuff happens? Yeah, I mean, maybe sometimes tears, but I wouldn't say that's primarily what's happening in these meetings. Um, like it, it, there's so much happening in the life of an entrepreneur. And you are probably struggling with just what your role means day to day. How do you measure success for yourself, right? And so to have this space for someone to come in, you're going to be learning things about really what should their role be? What shouldn't it be? Um, maybe there's going to be some team dynamics that come up that you might need to do some coaching and, and just help them process through. Um, again, the development plan is a critical part of this. We don't want to walk away from a performance review with just, here's all this stuff to go work on. Okay, cool. I'll chat with you in a couple of weeks and see how it's going. We want to walk away from this saying, okay, we've identified that there's these gaps and we have a plan that we're both bet on is going to level up to impact these gaps that we know exist. What's the agenda of the 90 minutes? Where, where do we start? Where do we finish? What happens in the middle? What, can you give us a semi-structured kind of uh, linear path to executing these well? Yeah, yeah. So typically what we want to do um, is just spend a little bit of time creating that like trusted open environment at the beginning of a performance review, um, check in with how they're doing. Is there anything you should be aware of within their week that might impact the tone that you want to have during this meeting? And uh, just spend that time on relationship. Again, the supervisor-employee relationship is one of the aspects that we're impacting through this one-on-one -on -one dedicated sit-down. And then I usually just hand them the floor and I say, hey, what I would love is for you to spend some time taking me through the preparation that you um, did for this, right? Let me, let's go through the first question. So the question was this, right? Take me through your thoughts and how you came to the answer that you provided. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty open. And um, some people would say, oh, do you want me to just read it out? Or, you know, how do I do that? Yeah, I just love for you to share um, what you process as you put that answer down. And sometimes there's things that they, you know, they started with filling out this prep that, you know, they filled out one answer, but then as they, after they submitted it, they're coming in here, there's something else that they want to add to it. And we also want to make sure that we are, for example, like you said, what are the accomplishments that you had this year? Or what did you do that contributed to the company's success? 
we want to honor those things and go one by one and say, yes, that's right. Like you did that. Thank you. Like that was a huge impact on what the company was able to accomplish Mm -hmm. this year. And so we're honoring the work that they put in and also just checking for assumptions, right? Because as we're reading the prep, sometimes we'll think that this means this, but this actually meant that. And before coming in with our feedback and our interpretation of the prep, we need to check that by saying, take me through what your thoughts were here. Right. So they, they, they're they given the floor, they're given the mic, uh, you're practicing active listening, you're having them go through the prep. When they're kind of coming to the close of that, do, you know, what, what happens, what happens then? Are you, are you kind of giving the feedback? Do you grab the mic back and, and, and go through the deliverables? What's, what's the part that you actively talk through as the supervisor, as the business owner? Yeah. So sometimes when an employee, you know, receives prep or when you receive the prep for an employee, you're looking at it and you're like, this is bang on. I totally agree on these things. It's really easy to transition to feedback at that point in a performance review, because you're like, we get it. We're on the same page. We both think this, these things that need to be worked on. Sometimes, though, when you get prep from an employee and you look at what they think they have to work on, you're like, this is not actually reality, right? right? Like they, they have no idea what's going on here. And in that sense, you're going to need to take some time asking some coaching questions with specific situations to bring up with data points. You know, what do you think contributed to this data point? Well, what if it was something different? What else could have contributed to that, right? To see if you can get them closer to that introspective, I see my contribution to the performance level to move to feedback first. Like, are so, okay, are, are you saying that, that team members often come in with sort of like a wildly outlandish, embellished version of their performance? Like they're saying, hey, I had a great year. Look at all this stuff. And then you're like, okay, here in the realm of reality, like you missed on yeah. three out of four of your deliverables by 50% or more and the team doesn't really like working with you. Like, you know, is that often what happens? It's sort of an exact, it's an exaggerated or overly inflated portrayal of reality or or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like a lot worse. Maybe they think they did a lot worse than mm-hmm. they actually did. What what's What actually happens there? I think both ends of the spectrum and, you know, the word introspection is something I used before is how accurately does this person see their contribution to a situation? We've all got different levels of that skill set and it's something that can need to be worked on with people. And so it's okay if they come in and they're like, you know, completely out to lunch with the reality. Um, again, this is our opportunity to give that feedback and help them to see their contribution to situations. Okay. So the reality, sometimes they nailed it. Sometimes they don't. You need to do a little reality check. Then what? Yeah. So then what we want to do is get into our feedback, right? So we've listened, we've asked some probing questions as they're sharing as well. So like, don't hesitate if they say something and your spidey senses like go off or you're like, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, ask like, can can you share a little bit more about what you meant by that, right? Follow it until you feel like you fully get where they're at and what their perspective is on their performance. And one of the techniques that I usually do is I have my feedback ready. And so whenever they're sharing and they share some things that they want to work on that are all related to what I'm going to share, I'll kind of prep it, right? Like, oh, that's really interesting. It sounds like you recognize that attention to detail, you know, on the work order front is impacting the teams. That's great. Awesome. Right. So I'm kind of preemptively like highlighting the things within their prep so that when I get to sharing, 
I'm usually saying, Hassan, you know, like honestly on my prep, it's a lot of the stuff that we've already been talking about here, but let me share with you where I'm at. What is your advice for giving hard feedback when needed? Uh, a lot of people, I think, they dilute the potency of the point they're trying to make to an employee. And I'm not saying that you need to be like all fire and brimstone and become a total tyrant yeah. and like lay into people around Christmas time. But there are times <laughs> where it's like, like, let's just call a spade a spade here, dude. Like, you know, the, like you we, had, you, we had a goal of you selling X amount and you did like like you're like not even, you know, 60% the way there. Like we need to yeah. really address this or, or maybe it's a production metric or maybe it's a culture fit thing or it's an attitude thing. Like yeah. there are moments where we kind of need to like cut through the, and you know, <laughs> there's a joke to be made here about us sort of like our Canadian culture and we sort of pussyfoot around points sometimes when there's really some value in being direct. Any advice, practical tips for business owners who know they need to say something this is the moment. Here's the spot. You scheduled the meeting. You 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 did the prep. Like this is your wide open look at at delivering that message and yet they still kind of feel really nervous inside to do it. Yeah. So one of the things I would just push back on somebody's feeling nervous is that the data should do a lot of the talking for you. So if you're doing a data-driven performance review where it's like you said Benji, it was your goal to sell a million and you're at 700k for the end of the year. What do you think contributed to that, right? Like it, it's the data can speak to a lack of performance. And um, again, it shouldn't be this surprise. Like these themes and these elements of feedback should be coming out throughout the year. This is your chance to do it. Mm -hmm. One of the core beliefs that I have when it comes to feedback and you know, I, I can be direct, um, is that if not, you know, if not me, then who, right? If I'm sitting down with someone that I have a genuinely trusted relationship with, that they believe that I am not the best for them and I genuinely do want the best for them, and I recognize that they have a pattern of not taking ownership or something that's going on, it is my duty, I believe, as their supervisor to say like, hey, so-and-so, right? Hey, Betty, when, you know, what a thing that I've seen is this. In order for you to be successful, whether here at Breakthrough Academy or anywhere else you go, this is going to continue to be your ceiling until we break through it. Do you want to work on that together? Mm -hmm. You find that sort of mindset shift, that perspective shift helps helps reduce the nerves. When you, when you frame it that way, if not me, then who? There's sort of a level, I don't know, a level of calmness that should come over you. It's like, well, this is just... Uh, I'm doing a disservice to this person, to myself, to the whole, whole organization yeah. by not. I may still I may still feel a little queasy inside, but I'm just going to go ahead and do this anyway. Yeah, I think you have to be I think you have to be pretty accurate um, and that there has to be a level of relationship there that you are bouncing off of. Right. Um, so we can't be again like just doing these subjective gut driven pieces of feedback if they are pretty hard hitting and like root problems that are affecting this person. We need to know that we know that we know. And so part of that is doing this research and having the data to back us up. Uh, but ultimately, like in my opinion, you just got to gotta get some repetitions under your belt. And so that this, you know, it's like the first time you fire someone, like, ah, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking. After you do it a few times, you know, if you've had that experience, you're able to say, okay, well, I understand the consequences of not doing this. And what I would say is you have to understand the consequences of not giving your people feedback. 
you are holding them back. You are holding their ability to be successful in whatever their chosen career path is, as well as the company for sure. But you are the ceiling now. If you can't give direct feedback from your people, you're holding the development of your organization back. So what's the outcome of all of this? I think this is maybe the most important question that, that I'm going to ask today. It's like, okay, so we follow the steps. We have the conversation. There's some good. There's some not so good. We, we muster up the courage to say it. Then what? <laughs> yeah. So again, we, we want to be giving like one or two root, root feedback items. We're not giving them an essay of all these things that they're going to need to work on and, and figure out how to solve um, overnight. What we want to be focused on is giving feedback on root restrainers for this person in their business. Uh, so try to focus on like the symptoms of, you know, you, uh, you know, didn't ask for the job or uh, I don't know, like the, the symptomatic, like very simple process oriented things. Those conversations can happen more with people earlier on in the de their development, you know, as you're training and, you know, doing some coaching in the field. But this time, what we want to be focused on is a couple of key root areas that are going to propel them forward. And then what we get to do is come up with this development plan so that the employee walks away knowing I have the direction and the support I need to be able to increase my performance. I'm clear on what it is that there's a gap on. And we have identified you know, who I need to observe or a training course I need to do or a technology the business needs to implement for me or, 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 right? Like you, there's going to be some things as the owner that you're going to have to own when it comes to next steps and development plans that come out of this meeting. And that there's a pathway to follow up on that development through GSR or one-on-one -on -one accountability meetings, as well as through these coaching events that are probably going to be like your hard hitting maybe once a quarter events that increase their skill sets. Now, development plan could sound to someone like another form to fill out another kind of like bureaucratic process. Can you just like, like in super concrete terms, like what is a development plan? And then more, more importantly, how do we hold tension to this? Because it's, you know, this all seems very easy. If you have like 20 people on your team and there's 20 of these happening every year, like mm. it's pretty easy to lose track of which folders are open, which folders are closed. And this is basically just a nice conversation that feels good and it's timed well. And there's maybe some catharsis that happens, but then there's like, there's really nothing, there's no follow-up, there's no tension hell. I could, I, I could see that happening a lot. So any thoughts around just like how to do this in its simplest form, and then most importantly, how to hold tension over it uh, to it through the year that comes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what we want to come to is specifically like what's going to happen moving forward and when is it going to happen and who's involved? So if we can answer those three questions to maybe the one or two root restrainers that you gave feedback on, what do we think can impact this, right? And it's just, you pick something that you think could impact performance here. Who is gonna be involved in that? And when is it gonna happen? Is it Q1 of next year? Is it March 2nd, 2024? Like, doesn't, like, put a timeline associated with that. And then through, again, this performance management cycle, like, you can't just pull one of these things out of it and expect to have the results. We have to follow up with these coaching meetings, which is probably going to be the impact of the skill development piece, as well as the GSR where you're processing through um, some of the skill sets that they're working on. I want to go back to something that you said earlier, which I, I think 
it's important to hit this because uh, definitely there's a listener still wondering about it. If a performance review is not the place for a compensation conversation, and mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear now that it isn't, when and how should we have those compensation conversations? Is that a separate meeting at a different time of the year? Like where, where do those fit in? Yeah. So think about yourself, you know, as a business owner, um, you're coming to the end of the year, you're reviewing performance, you're sitting down with your, your team, as well as just overall reviewing the business um, performance for the year. And then you're building out the strategy for next for the next year. One of the things that you're going to do is build out what are the people and responsibilities that I'm going to need to have in my business to achieve this strategic plan that I'm thinking about. Once that's determined and the value that you're going to get from those roles, you're set up to have that compensation conversation. If we just continue to get raises and sure, you want this and yeah, let's do that versus the intentionality to sit down and think strategically. These are the nodes on my org chart. These are the roles that are going to add value and allow me to hit the strat plan this year and prepare for what we want to accomplish over the next couple of years. And these are the values that I'm going to get from that. You're prepared then to say, okay, this is what this role is worth, right? This is what this position is worth to the business. And you're able to sit down with the employee. Usually I recommend um, have that compensation conversation with their employment agreement for that next year, right? So you're sitting down and you're saying, this is the role that you're going to, you know, that you're responsible for this year. And this is the compensation associated with that role. So that, so if this is happening in December, then that compensation conversation with the employment agreement is happening like in January or February or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. One other thing that I'm wondering about is like how the tone or style or overall vibe of these conversations would change depending on the seniority level of the person you're doing it with. So I'll give you an example. I, Benji, own BTA Builders. I've got a a senior project manager who's worked with me for six years, a lot of trust, a lot of rapport. A lot of water water under the bridge, a lot of ups and downs with this person, tons of trust. I have an office manager I just hired six months ago. I don't think you're going to approach, those are going to be two very different sounding, different feeling conversations. There's going to be some fundamental stuff that's the same. You're still looking at deliverables. You're still doing your prep, yada, yada, yada. But is there kind of like, have you noticed how the the conversation evolves as the, the, the length of time that you've been working with someone kind of stretches out? Yeah, I would say length of time and competency are going to impact the tone and the language that you use in performance reviews. For So for someone who's brand new, you know, that tells us that they are um, in the zone of needing like high direction, highly supportive language. Do this, tweak this, try this, don't do that. How are you feeling about that? Right. Lots of those types of questions. And as we move through those developmental stages, um, you know, from uh, being very uh, directive with our language with someone, we start to introduce more coaching questions, right? Well, what do you think about that? You know, then we move towards more supporting, just allowing them to share where they're at. And so what I would expect is for someone who's been through this a number of iterations and has a lot of competency under their belt, um, what you're going to do is be able to find, you know, those nuggets to say, okay, this is how I level this person up. And your preparation has to be on how do you take an A player and really allow them to be successful. And so you're going to have to think more about those performance reviews, right? Like there's more nuance to that. It's more almost art, right? It's about their approach to their role. Maybe their development as a leader, 
Whereas someone who's early on, it's like, this is the process of how you complete your role. Do this, then do this, then do that. You go from like super high direction to like a much more, uh, like you say, like you, you say supportive, you're almost at a certain level, like letting someone vent and then being like, okay, so what do you think the solution is for next year? What are some strategies we should try? It's a much, uh, yeah, you're going to be having more like leadership level conversations, more relational, um, people level conversations. And uh, like, what's important to recognize is that for an A player, this is a really important meeting. Like we might think that this is only for low performers, but for an A player, they need to have these opportunities to see that there is room for them to be developed and invested in by their organization that they're working for. I'm glad you mentioned low performers because my last question here is this. <laughs> Every business, like let's just be real, it's our core value or one of them. Every business listening is going to have someone on their team and they, you know, as I say this, they, they their face pops into their, their, their mind. They've got mm -hmm. a low performer, kind of a knuckle dragger, not super motivated, like just that, that man or woman on the team who you're just kind of like, eh, you know, how, like, how do we approach these with them? Do we, do we still do them? Do we skip it all together? Like what, you know, get, cause they're, they're going to be reluctant. They're, they're probably going to be quite reluctant to take part in this as well. So what's, what's your advice for the approach with the lower performers on the team? Yeah. So one of the things that we have to consider is when we have someone who is a really significant low performer, Number one, like, should they be on the team, right? Um, we have to ask that question to start. Um, what we can see is that, you know, you have the spectrum of people and those people who are the bottom 10% that just no matter what you say, they're not doing the thing, they're not in, you know, involved with culture, they don't seem to be getting it even when you give them feedback, like protect your energy from that and sometimes protect your organization from that. So if it's a super low performer who does not have the ability to receive feedback, is open, has that learning mentality, like protect yourself and maybe move on. Uh, but for the people who are just, you know, they're highly committed, but they're struggling lower yeah. in the skill development mm -hmm. category, like absolutely invest in those people, right? Because they're open, they want to learn, they want to be able to level up. But you can do that in ways that also protect your time. And so think about the next steps in that employee development plan as, you know, having them observe so-and-so who's really good at that thing that they're struggling with, or, you know, take the SOP and I'd like you to take a video of yourself doing it with some thoughts at the end of what you think are really important points, right? It doesn't have to be a highly leveraged, I'm going to spend eight hours with this person, but just what are some things that you can do that allow them to, you know, bump up their levels of development so that they can get on that learning journey. You've coached and worked with so many businesses at this point. I'd like to get your aggregate perspective on this question, which is what have you seen happen to the organizations, uh, both in terms of culture, the team, the results, the growth? What have you seen happen to organizations when really, really good performance reviews are put in place? Yeah, I, I think that they retain their A players. They have the plan in place to be able to develop leaders and spot the people who should be moving up or shifting into roles in the company. Like their ability to manage their org structure, their um, people plan is so much more informed by data on the front end, as well as alignment with what that person actually thinks and where they're at with their role. 
So you're just more likely to move people around to where they need to be and kind of optimize the results from their rules. I, I think a uh, closing thought I would I would share on this is like ha- have fun with this. Like this is this is not this like super boring like mundane thing that you just have to do. And by the way, if none of this resonates with you, don't do them. Like that's that's fine too. But if you're going to invest in this, like enjoy that 90 minute meeting, like, like be present, like really listen, like there's going to be sharing and insights and experiences and stories and learning for you, the entrepreneur or, or like the supervisors you have within your business who are doing these, that is actually like pretty enjoyable. Like it's, I don't know, this is a moment in your year. There's not, and you don't have like moments like this every day in your calendar as an entrepreneur. There's stressors, there's there's stuff that goes wrong. There's fires that need to be put out. A lot of it is kind of just just in the day to day. Like this is this is a cool day or week on the calendar where you really get to like tune into your people, read their prep, share some feedback, tell them what you love, tell them what you don't love. And I think that it's actually this is something that you will enjoy a lot more than you might think if you've never done it before. Yeah, thank you, Bangon. Actually, you've said it all. Uh, one la- Really quick, guys, if you haven't downloaded the templates, the, uh, just once again, description uh, of this episode, whatever platform you're on, click the link. You can have those for free. Um, Ashley, thank you for doing this with us today. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Benji. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. 